We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome to the Eight Black Hands Podcast. This is episode 85 of uh, School Board Elections. And so, real quick, I want to give a shout out. You sound a little muffled, Ray, just FYI. It just yeah. happened. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Shout out to the plug. You saw that nice intro right there coming from my man, Dr. Charles Cole, because he wants to make sure that we are ahead of the game. We know that there's a lot of podcasts out there trying to emulate us, but y'all ain't us. We the hands, baby. You sound like Snoop. <laughs> I sound like somebody famous. It's all that I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're that. Yeah. He said, we're not. Mm, no, no. West Coast got no love right now. Hey, all right. So let's do it. Let's do our check in. Uh, if you're in the audience, one to 10, tell us how you're feeling. Uh, we want to make sure by the end you're at an eight to 10. Uh, Breezy, starting with you, bro. How you feeling? I'm very good. I'm blessed. Every week I say the same thing. Best times, worst times, but we're eating. We got shelter. We wake up every morning. God is is working in our lives and we are hoping for a better world in a week or two. We are just hoping that the world don't end. That's it. That's gotcha. All. We're good. Uh, Reef. Hey, man. Good to see you all. Glad to, you know, uh, talk about this issue tonight. Had a good day, man. I was reading... Uh, Dr. Donnell Waters' book, Preparing and Surviving mm-hmm. the First 90 Days of the Principalship. This is a former student of mine who's now a principal down in uh, Dallas, Texas. So I'm mm-hmm. super excited to, to, you know, to read his book. So that's what's up. That's what's up, man. Black man, read. All right. Uh, Charles Cole. Man, tired, but happy to be here with you all. Uh, had my Black Man's Book Club yesterday, which was saving grace. Uh, and uh, just this election and just... Uh, it's about to be November already, man. It's just a crazy, mm-hmm. time, but uh, definitely blessed. All right, that's what's up. So, guys, we got a, we got a special guest tonight. We got uh, Adonica uh, Duggan with us tonight. Uh, she's a native of Baton Rouge. Uh, spent the last 14 years in local public education prior to two years of being chief of communications and public relations for, for East Baton Rouge uh, Parish School System. So she knows about what's going on in Baton Rouge. So, uh, yeah, this is the perfect setup. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling blessed. I'm better than most. So I'm grateful. That's what's up. All right. So local school boards. So since we got somebody on the show that was a part of a school board, let's set this up, man. Set us up for like the process, um, the campaign and the importance and significance of being on the school board, bro. Mm. Uh, Well, you know, I'll say a little bit, but I definitely think that, you know, our guest uh, will have a lot to give us in terms of information on a local level, because all the, the thing about a school board is it's the most access to a local democracy that you have. It's like closest thing to where you could really affect change. We talk about education every week, but there's so many people in our field that concentrate on the state house or, um, um, you know, Congress or, you know, offices that are are far away. And we get such little attention for the fact that 14,000 school boards across the country have a lot of power to decide what direction your kid goes in the morning to get to school, who teaches them, how they teach them, what the curriculum looks like. All the stuff that is germane to the life of your child can be affected right at home. You don't need to talk to a congressperson. You actually need to talk to your school board member. So the average school board, a school board member in the United States is a, um, a white male Republican above the age of 59. That's mm. the profile of the average school board. I don't have to tell you what the average uh, student in the United States public school system is, but it is not that. That is not the a matchup in terms of demographic. It's not their children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's a shame because it is an accessible level of government. Like if people mm. show up. So, Sharif, the way that you say that you want to raise the number of black male teachers from two percent to double that and then triple that over time and compound, I would be on a similar mission to make sure that we do the same thing with school board members Mm. to have a strong 
local pipeline of people who are willing to give up their time. It's see, now listen, I'll just be real. Let's start at home with the eight black hands. Every time I bring this up, <laughs> there's one member of this show that has been on a school board. <laughs> there are three other members of this show who all are highly educated, know a lot about education. Where are you going, Cole? Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently my recruiting efforts aren't very good, but I will say this much. Um, Even if you don't want to do it yourself, the idea that you, you, can after you decide you don't want to run, just sit out is not actually the real option. The real option is maybe you want to be a campaign manager. Mm. Maybe you want to help somebody organize their campaign. Maybe you just want to give a shout out to the 18 people in your, in your timeline that are running this year. Right now, all of us have people that we know and we're very good and generous about shouting them out. And then maybe you give them money. That's that, that's my, 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 setup that I have, which is build the pipeline, help people, give them shout outs when they're running, help them organize, tell your friends when you have people you know that are running and and um, be there for them because it's a very lonely time when you decide to run. And there's a lot of people that are going to come out against you. And 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 uh, uh, if you're on the wrong side of the fence, let's just say, for instance, and you're going to need every friend you can you can get when you decide to run, especially if you want to do some damage. Anyways, there you go. So uh, I'm here to announce that uh, uh, Ankrum and Charles Cole will be running for school board. Right, you tripping? You stuck? Uh, <laughs> all right, bro. Get it in, fellas. Uh, bring it home. So, real quick, real quick, Adonica, set the stage yeah. for for what's going on in Baton Rouge. I know you got some local elections coming up, uh, and yeah. We don't we don't have elections this year, but we do have um, in the past we had three of nine run opposed run unopposed the last time. And so we're really thinking about how we make sure that that doesn't happen again. Um, So thinking about how um, we can recruit that strong pipeline of leaders who are interested. I think if you walked around town and asked people who their school board member was, people in Baton Rouge have no idea. We've had a lot of attention based recently on our superintendent search process. We have meetings that last five hours. We've been there after midnight. And I think a lot of people in Baton Rouge are really shocked at the level of, of discourse that's taken place at a school board level. That's what's up. Hey, Cole, set us up for this Oakland thing, man. Yeah, well, first off, Charles Cole is definitely not running for school board. That's never going to happen. And Chris, if you're my friend, I don't even know why you say such a thing. If you care about me and my joy. Uh, Charles is already on a major board. I'm on the UCSF Benioff Hospital Board, which oversees $4 billion in healthcare. So I'm good. I'm busy and I deal with unions and all that stuff on both sides. Uh, But what I do have and how I am a player in this election is I help lead a pack called Power uh, Power to Families. And in Oakland, it's a lot at stake. So just to set it up for you all, because a lot of people don't understand like school board systems are different in different places, right? So one of the things that happens is Oakland has an elected school board. The mayor does not run or appoint our school board members, okay? There are some cities like Chicago where the mayor uh, is basically over the school uh, the, the school district and appoints people or whatever the case is, okay? This is not that. We run. So every two years, we have seven districts in Oakland. So... It's odd one one year, and then the next year is the even number. So this year, districts one, three, five, and seven are running, and they're all vacant. None of the incumbents are coming back because it's crazy, all right? Um, And then in two years, two, four, and six are running. But here's what's at stake, right? So the union has their slate, uh, which one of their big points is more money uh, for schools, uh, less resources and less autonomy and power to charters because they ultimately want to see charters closed. Right. So in Oakland, what you had and this, this guy weakened is when a charter school comes up to, to exist or renew, they first go through the district. Either the district approves or denies. Well, if they get denied, they, they used to be able to go. They can go what well, they can go to the county. Uh, they can still go to the county. They're trying to weaken that power. This is why they played in the county uh, elections this year as well. And then if you get denied at the county, you can go and appeal to the state. And I think that since uh, Tony Thurman has stepped in, uh, my, my old mentor and threw me my first birthday party, to be quite honest with you, uh, my, my first uh, surprise party. But when he became state superintendent, uh, I think that changed around being able to appeal at the state level. I'm not completely sure. 
in my pack is it, we are running with parents that ask for help because they're not getting any support or love from the charter side uh, as far as like the charter election piece. Right. And there's a lot of things that was happening on the other side. There are rules. For instance, like the teachers union is not supposed to um, campaign or do things during like PTA meetings or or school functions or things like that. And we've heard a few different reports that those things are happening. We're also in the dirty part of the election. So my partner in crime, Hayson Thomas, who did not start this by herself. I started with her and there's a few other people that started it. Uh, they starting to put her name on stuff and call her all kind of names and kind of bully, you know, this woman of color who all she cares about is kids and who started in the district, who is friends with people in the district, just like I am. Um, and the vast majority of the parents in our pack have kids both in the charter side and the traditional side, which is very important to note. And all of our parents, for the most part, went to OUSD schools as well. So that's what we're kind of facing right now is crunch time. Oh, and people keep saying that my parents don't make any decisions that as billionaires. First off, the billionaire ain't talked to us at all. But here's the one. You want to know the one thing that the billionaire said we couldn't do with the money? The one directive. You can't go negative. So we can take all these jabs and all these hits or whatnot. Uh, but but they were very, Bloomberg was very clear. Uh, I will support this effort because we have an aligned interest here, but you just can't go negative. And it's funny how a lot of people hate Bloomberg's money in our local election, but are completely fine with him bailing out everybody he can in Florida so we can try to beat Trump. So uh, all this selectiveness around when the billionaire's money is okay versus when it's not is kind of confusing. But uh, that's the general synopsis and the facts of what's going on in Oakland. So hopefully that's spelled it out for people that's not, that don't play in education the way that we do. Well, that's what's yeah, up, it's interesting. Thanks for setting that up. I want to talk a little bit about charter school boards and shout out to uh, the members of my board uh, at the Riverhead Charter School. So charter school boards are not elected officials per se, but they do dedicate a huge amount of their time in order to make sure that the governance component of charter schools are run correctly. Because the number one reason why charter schools get shut down is for financial mismanagement, right? And so that's why you have a board of governance uh, in charter schools. And so, you know, people on or people that are in public schools, they're like, oh, well, they don't have an elected board. Right. They do this out of the goodness of their heart, their hearts, and they're not bought or influenced by people that lobby to get them to vote whatever ways that they want to vote. So um, I understand the pros and I understand the cons. So thanks for that. Ray, I just, want to, I just want to correct one thing, Rado. Depending on what state you're in depends on whether or not you're elected to, uh, oh, to okay. charter. Well, I'm talking about New York State. I shouted out my board. Okay. In Minnesota, I was actually elected to both to to KIPP and elected to the district uh, school board and both required elections. The difference is that in running for the city of Minneapolis school board, 80 percent of the people that I was running like that I was engaging with didn't have kids in the public schools. Mm. And I was trying to convince them to of the issues that were important to the kids, even though 80% of them didn't have kids in the public schools. The KIPP vote works a little different. It's the parents that elect. It's the school staff and stakeholders and parents right. that elect the school board members. So I was engaging directly with people that had a vital interest in me uh, becoming elected or not. Well, that's what's up, man. That's dope. Oh, uh, Reef. Talk a little bit about Philly, bro. Man, this is, this has been an ongoing conversation. We just had, uh, you know, my man, brother, I mean, Akbar had to resign. Just, uh, you know, uh, family issues and, and the amount of time that it takes. Uh, they be putting, they put in a lot of hours, man. And so that's mm -hmm. another thing. When, when we're talking about like this, the stakeholders who are invested in the community, you know, quite often, you know, when we look at the wealth gap, when we look at like all the issues that, that you know, uh, a black or brown school board member may have outside of that, you know, their jobs and things like that. You know, it's it's hard, you know, like, you know, we have some, as Adonica talked about, like till midnight, you know, folks got to actually do their real job the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to convince folks right now. We have two, two, maybe three vacancies on our own school board out of nine and this mayoral appointed, um, and then city council, you know, approves it. But it's, you know, it's going to be hard to get the right people in those uh, three three slots. You know, when you talk about people with kids in the schools or even attended the schools themselves and all of that kind of stuff, that that window gets smaller and smaller. Um, 
and you just see folks, you know, one of the things people ask, like, you know, should should they be paid? You know, should this be a voluntary job? And I, I hear uh, Ankram about like, you know, trying to keep people, you know, honest and things like that. But, you know, I mean, people are being taxed for some significant hours. Um, mm-hmm. And if we want them committed to it, should they have a staff, you know, you know, should they uh, have, you know, some kind of, you know, compensation where this could be their job instead of, instead of not. So it's a lot of things going on, but we got three vacancies uh, that, you know, hopefully after this election, we can get filled. Bro, so Sharif so, is running. Sharif is running. <laughs> Send your <Yeah>. checks in. <laughs> we are, <laughs> all right. So I mean, we kind of turn this into a discussion. Man, I, I got a text message from uh from one, one of my friends, and, and they were like, What's what's the topic of the show tonight? And I was like, uh, local school boards, and it was and they sent me back the snooze, uh <laughs> a snooze wow. emoji, right? And so and yeah. so what, what it made me think about it is like, all right, well, we romanticize. Uh, national elections. We romanticize uh, state level elections, but the local elections don't really get as much love as they should. But when we think about schools and we think about the governing of schools and everything that happens within the schools, it starts at the local level. Mm-hmm. Title one may give you a hundred thousand dollars to poor and disenfranchised schools, right? Uh, at, at best, right? And then a lot of things may come from like title two, t- title three, but the majority of your funds is coming from the local level through uh, real estate taxes and um, taxes that they raise locally. So what, what's your guys take on that? Like, you know, people feeling like ah, it's not, it's not the president. So I don't give a shit. <laughs> Well, I like to hear from our guests. I mean, I, think I was that- about to say, Donica, what you got to say? Bring, yeah, bring in the guests. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's really important. I think it's it, people underestimate the power of a local school board. You know, we we have a school board that employs six thousand people in a city of two hundred and twenty thousand. That's a pretty significant impact. They have a half mm-hmm. a half a billion dollar budget, uh, annual budget. They are making they hold a large facilities footprint across the city. You know, I mean, school boards really matter. And I think, you know, we our challenge is we've got twenty five thousand kids, one of the highest private school utilization rates in the country. And so people just don't pay attention to what's going on with their school board. And, And I think that's just it's a missed opportunity to really affect change for kids. Breezy, jump in there. No, I just uh, it makes me sad that people look at school board that way in any given city at any given time. You count out the number of children that you have and then you break down those children by race and class. And then you ask yourself 10 or 15 years from now, which one of these kids are going to be enjoying the beautiful, lavish condo lifestyle of their city. You can tell which ones will and won't because it's a math equation. Math equations require mathematicians and people of serious import to come to the table. When they come to the table, one of the tables that they should come to first is the damn school board table. Right. Because that's where so many decisions are going to be made about what you do with the public mind, the black mind, the mind of children who are walking in classrooms every day and having their minds foreclosed upon and their futures foreclosed upon because people rather jump on social media and go for the flash. Oh, I want to be senator. I want to be congressman. I want to be state rep. I want to be the re- where the real action is further from the children that live blocks from them that are never going to enjoy the lifestyle of the city that they live in. And one of the things that like particularly pisses me off about that, honestly, the most too. So let me say this to people who are thinking about running. Don't run if you see it as a stepping stone to some bigger ambition that you have for another offer to be serious. Yeah. Show up with that, A lot of the people that you support are doing that, bro. That's a stepping stone. I'm not, I don't know that the people I'm supporting are doing that because the people that I'm supporting right now have been in education for a while and they're running. So they know a little something about it, but I can name a person or two and I'm not going to do it. Because y'all, y'all know I like to give people the business. But there's one or two people who probably might even be listening to this who are running for some shit and they haven't even completed their school board term. If the public elects you to something that is so important and germane to the lives of their children, you better finish that shit right before you go and try and be something else with a whole bunch of recycled Obama bullshit on your timeline. Anyways. <laughs> Yo, you're so messy. I'm kind of messy, bro. I'm hey, kind of messy. Charles, jump in what here, man. Clean this up. Well, you know, you know when it's sometimes when it's good when you don't know who the person is. Uh huh. But y'all like to ask me after. I'm like, who got hope? Ruin their timeline. Who got hope? Good. I, I think they played it. 
but here, here's what I would say, I, because I think there are some very large uh, issues that's at play here. And, and, and actually, you are right. There are a lot of people that have used school board as that stepping stone to become mayor, to become uh, part of the city council, uh, to start a national career. Uh, and that usually school board is one of the easiest entry points uh, to, to get into like public life because that's what they look at. Right. Like when I was on the Dems, it's almost like having movie credits. Like how many elections have you won? And school board is usually like an easy one that you can get or transportation board or rent board. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I would just say, though, is that this is where a lot of the decisions will get made around how money is spent and 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 who actually has power and control in your city. So just so you know, school boards are not allowed. They can't fire and hire staff. They don't they can't go in the classroom and say this is the curriculum or whatever the case mm -hmm. is. Essentially, what their job is, is to hire, uh, critique and fire uh, and supervise the superintendent. That's usually their job. And then they look at larger things as well. So I think in Oakland, man, it's so important because it's gotten a lot harder to just jump into school board races because people are running. And, and, and it's a real power play for the future of, of our city and the future of education. And there are people that are just running off the platform of I'm going to close down charter schools. Like that is, that is the litmus, right? Mm -hmm. Same way in our national elections, mm -hmm. the question is, Oh, how do you feel about Roe v. Wade? Or, or would you, would you overturn this? The question normally in Oakland is, do you support charter schools or not? And, and, and that's a really sad uh, reality because Oakland schools have been felling black kids for a long, long time. Yeah. Reeve, jump ahead. No, man, it's 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 hard. Listen, I this past week, I think I, I think I texted three or four people, um, at least at least three or four people to see if they would be, you know, like, hey, you should throw your hat in the ring. <laughs> like, hey, you should, you know, think about uh, the school board. There's vacancy. Our kids need you. And a lot of folks are just like, listen, there's no way in the world I'm stepping into that because they feel like they might not be able to get things done or just, you know, the. The, what does the accountability, you know, look like, you know, collectively? And and it's, it's just hard. Right. And so I, I do want to give a shout out to like folks like Chris Pender, who's in the uh, the Sheldonham School Board, a black man who, you know, had a kid go through this this uh, Sheldonham system, you know, then signed up, had always been volunteering. He's an educator. Right. You know, he's a pastor. Like and so he's just been involved and looks at it, you know, to Chris's point, like, are you committed to children or are you looking at this as just this political um, opportunity? And so, you know, folks who are like in it for children and understand like, hey, these these decisions you're talking about, you know, uh, places like Philly, billion dollar decision making, you know, mm. uh, that's, mm. that's huge. That's huge. And, and we definitely need folks to, uh, you know, to be involved in it and and stay involved in it. But go. Donna, I'm going to throw it straight to you after this, but so there's a lot of privilege that exists in being able to run for school board. Uh, somebody, I think El Michelle mentioned it in the comments. Um, you got to be in a really good space financially to be able to take on an assignment like that because, you know, most people that are in poverty have to work two, three jobs and don't really have the time commitment to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to run for school board. Mm. And so how do we then uh, uh, make a, a job like school board? Because it is a job, even though, you know, in most places you don't get paid. How do we make that? How do we romanticize that to make it a position that's attractive to folks that, you know, it kind of need to be? I, I feel like this. I feel like if you're in an urban city, then the school board should mimic the population of the folks that are in the school board. Right. If, if, that, if that makes any sense. Like so then how do we get like it? student wise or yeah. staff wise or both student wise? Mm. And so how do we get it to that point? Adonis, I mean, first of all, I just want to say, um, number one, I have seen broke people run for school board and win. I've seen uh, professional people with advanced degrees win. I've seen people with advanced degrees and a lot of money not have enough time to do the job well. And I've seen uh, single moms who had been activists for years already showing up to meetings, win a seat and make the most of the seat. So I actually don't want to like stick with the idea and have people thinking that it's it's just a professional's game and blah, blah, blah. No matter if you have a college degree or not. It doesn't matter if you're an activist or you're a mom or a single person or an attorney. As a matter of fact, it's harder to get attorneys sometimes and others with advanced uh, degrees to run, which is why looking at East Baton Rouge and looking at Tramel on that uh, on that and, and uh, Darius uh, on that board in Baton Rouge, looking at someone like Ever Everton Blair 
Bro, mm-hmm. look up Everton Blair. Oh, yeah. A serious brother who young, sharp, Harvard comes back, is the first black uh person elected to his school board or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he made Ed time Lock for member. it. Ed Lock member made time for it. And he's not alone. There's a there's a nation of these uh of these folks. But look up Tremel in East Baton Rouge, look up Darius in in uh East Baton Rouge, look up Everton and and then, you know, there's people of all sorts and, and, and kinds who are able to run. It's as much as you want to put into it or as little. Bro, because you, you don't you don't have to you don't have to show up to every damn thing. Some people come in on the board and want to be at everything, and you don't have to do that. Monica, bro, you just that's, 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 hold up. Yeah, that's the beauty of having that's the beauty of having a podcast, bro. Because it's a lot of diversity and thought in this podcast. And so I don't have to do I don't have to agree with you. And there are people that are gonna be in the audience that are not gonna agree with you, that are gonna agree with me, or that are gonna agree with you. So Adonica, how you feel? Yeah, I think you've got to uh, cultivate the caliber of leader, people who are thinking about this seriously, like who re- really recognize like this is something that I'm doing for my community. I've got to show up for the people who live in my neighborhood. I've got to show up for the kids who live in my neighborhood if I want them to have the opportunities that I either did have or didn't have. You know, I think that you can do it from both sides. Like, I want my schools to do better. You know, we had one of the most compelling speeches from a high school kid who came to a school board meeting who was talking about wanting better for her younger brother than what she was getting from her high school. And I sat in that room and I said, if you are a school board member sitting here right now and you don't feel really bad about the state of education in Baton Rouge, that a high school, a recent high school graduate was coming to the school board meeting to say, I want better for my younger brother than I got from my school. Those are the type of people we need running for office. People who really understand that if we're going to fix anything in Baton Rouge, it starts with fixing our schools. That's you cannot fix anything else. Ooh, sorry. Ooh, I thought you were finished. Charles, jump in there. That's all good. And, and, and if you're watching and enjoying this conversation, uh, Please share it. Please comment. Let me see those likes and those hearts and all that stuff light up right now, because that's the way that we're going to get these type of messages out there and and give credence to such an important race that more people should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I agree with everything that Adonica said. I, th- I think that um, there's something else that I think that's missing, though. There are two things about school boards. One, I wish that being on the school board was just about education and I wish that it was just about kids, but it's not. Your school district tends to be uh, the biggest job provider in your city is usually in the top three. In Oakland is Kaiser, then it's the Oakland Unified School District. Well, why, why is that important? Well, it's important because when I worked at the district to get a reimbursement, I had to take an actual piece of paper and I had to fill it out and I had to go to the third floor and I had to give it to a lady and I had to wait uh, a few weeks so she can manually process uh, my, my, my uh, to, so I can get my money back, my reimbursement. That's why school boards are important, right? Because when you talk about frivolous spending or they talk about this superintendent making $200,000, which they should if you dealt with a district before, um, these are the things that end up not being talked about. So it's an economic system is is one big thing that you got to pay attention to. Two, here's the reason why it's tough for school boards to get shit done, all right? Usually people coming in the school board are, are trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to move beyond the school board seat. And the way that you do that as a politician is that you come in and you got you make a, a policy or you come in and you do a thing. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means if Chris Ray, Adonica and, and Sharif have already been on the board, are already working a plan. Part of my job to make sure my name is ringing bells is I got to come in and dismantle what they trying to do so we can make headlines so I can be the big bad uh, politico. So pay attention. Mm-hmm. This is why so many people get frustrated with school boards and so many people go charter uh, where it's not always uh, an elected school board because we can if we haven't tried anything in Oakland for longer than four years. Like we just mm-hmm. we never what works? We don't know if the union plan worked, if the progressive plan worked, because we always constantly change things. So I just wanted to put in two more facts around one, why board meetings are crazy at, at on, on that level, and two, just really understanding the political nature of that job that you might be stepping into. Mm. Brief. No, I was at low. He's when he said like with the board, like like Chris has seen uh, one of Philly school board uh, 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 meetings and whatnot, you know. And this this is one of the places I remember, you know, a white lady in a red shirt screaming at a black grandma, and I had to like check her, like, yo, get out her face, like, you know, stop yelling at her, go to the other side of the room, like, get out of her face, like that kind of stuff happens, um, and you know, it's just 
I think it's just problematic. You also need the right demeanor to be on the school board because you're going to have people like coming at your neck for a volunteer uh, position. You know, you might have a hundred dollars to spend, but they want you to spend a thousand dollars. And if you don't, then, you know, you're like a sicko and you hate kids and all that kind of stuff. I I do think that there, you know, I I just wish that people in these positions had like, you know, John Rawls uh, veil of ignorance. Right. Like where you have to design it, um, not knowing, you know, Mm -hmm. if you know, just like you have to do it almost blindfolded, but in a way where you're just seeking justice, like, hey, I'm going to do it the best way possible, um, where my own kid may be, you know, uh, you know, uh, not done justice in that. Right. Like, and so if I do it in a way like, hey, my kid may end up in this, uh, then I think people would think about it differently. And that, that brings me to think, like, how many parents with actual kids in the system at that time, not the magnet schools, not the choiciest school, you know, because they quick to get up there and their student, their child's experience is different than 99 percent of the other kids. But I'm just always interested, like, who are the parents, the grandparents that actually have kids in neighborhood schools? You know, and then if, how do they serve? Do they get, even get that opportunity? And if they have the, you know, the the flexibility to to spend, you know, 20 hours, 30 hours, I don't I don't know how how long it takes over the course of the month. Uh, but, you know, between homework and meetings and, you know, then the school board meeting, it's a lot. And and I think people we got to do it like at some point, at some point I may run for school board but at some point not way down the line line. when i retire when i retire so uh, you already retired once and uh, it's it's raising some eyebrows he don't don't know how to retire (laughs) hey so so one of the things that 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 happened during my superintendent licensure program was that Mm -hmm. we we had to um in order to become a license you had to go to a series of school board meetings in different school board districts or whatever, right? So I think that is really important for educators to go to these school board meetings because a lot of times you work in schools and you don't really know what's going on because people don't go to the meetings. And I say that to say that um, there's actually two to three meetings that happen for that one meeting, right? And so, you know, you have... um, You have the meeting that happens prior to the meeting in which the decision makers, usually the people that don't look like the people that they're making the decisions for, Mm -hmm. uh, they come to a conclusion about a situation and then they have a board meeting. And so it's not really equitable in terms of like the second board meeting, because a lot of people that are making the decisions in the first board meeting don't look like the people that are in the second board meeting, if that makes sense to folks. Right. And so how do we get people in that first board meeting and build that level of equity to where, you know, the people that are making decisions are all in one room and there's just one meeting. Chris, start with you. I don't know, man. I mean, that was one of the things that I discovered when I got on a board was it looked differently on the inside than it did when I was an activist on the outside throwing rocks in. Like once you sit in that seat and you have access to whatever information, if you ask for it, they need to just give it to you, which is different than when you're an activist. You can be asking for information, take you a year and a half to get like an information request done. Suddenly you're on a board and you're sitting there and you start like trying to understand the game. You're brand new. You're looking around. You start asking for information. They have to rush it to you. Uh, Whatever you start looking at things, you go, damn, this is a business. This has nothing to do with children, man. This is this is just a straight up business. And anything that you want to do that a rational person would think is good for black children, honestly, honestly, oftentimes is the first thing that gets you in trouble. Right. You start looking at all the bargaining units. You start looking at all the rules. You start looking at the hours and the the what you can give, who and how boundaries are set and where budgets go and all that. And you could fall down that rabbit hole. You start feeling like, what was it? What was that movie years ago with the the woman who found like bad water or something? Aaron Brockovich. You still you start feeling like Aaron Brockovich because you start people hand you some information and you start looking into it and you're like, I'm about to get killed if I bring this up. Like this is going to be like the end of me right now. And then at that point, you need community members who would show up and have your back. So when you just said, how do you get that first meeting? You support the people who are already in one of the meetings getting to the next meeting. Like you need public support. You need to go and find the person who's really uh, fearless on your local school board and support the hell out of them and get them into that next meeting and the next meeting and the next meeting. But I want to hear from Adonica because, listen, I spent a few days a couple years ago in Baton Rouge just kind of doing what I do going to a city, listening to stories, listening to some parents and some elected officials and different people at different levels. But the one thing about Baton Rouge that I'm sure if y'all, if y'all traveled with me anywhere, we would do this everywhere we went. You smell the racism 
in someone else's city differently than you smell it your own, right? If I brought y'all up here to Minnesota, you'd probably smell the Minnesota racism differently than if I came to your town. But uh, I almost choked on it in Baton Rouge. And I left just thinking, man, black people need to build power here in ways that I've never seen, like power need to be built somewhere, right? So I'm wondering, Adonica, like what could happen in a place like Baton Rouge if you had a critical mass of the right leaders doing the right thing to just fight for those children of East Baton Rouge to have great education? You know, I think we have four of our nine school board members who are black. I think the challenge is helping them to uh, unite around a common vision. I think sometimes we get Mm -hmm. so stuck, as Charles said before, in this divide over district versus charter, traditional district. And we're not really focused on what are the right things for our kids? Are we doing the right thing by every child in our community? Are we allocating resources? Are we looking at ways to really improve? And I think if you could start to build a common vision of what we want for every child in the city. Like, what do we want their experience to be when they show up at school? What do we want their day to be? Who do we want to be teaching? Who do we want to be leading? How do we want that to, how do we want that to look? And then start making decisions that move us closer to that and staying strategic about getting closer to that. We would be in a very different place as a city. Instead, you know, we, we find ourselves fighting over this district boundary or, you know, that charter school we don't want authorized. And that's not really the conversation that we need to be having. We need to be having a conversation about kids and what's right for them and the outcomes that we want to change our community. Yeah. Reef, jump ahead. Yeah. I, w- I was just thinking, you know, in Philly, even, even though it's not a uh, elected board, you know, just like the larger picture, that local, um, you know, agency and, and local politics. I just want to shout out Philly. Over 90 percent of the folks are registered to vote. You know, that's step one. Now you got to get out there. Um, but those, you know, adjacent to schools, you know, that still is going to impact who's, you know, who's involved and who's who's making moves and who's influencing. Right. And so, you know, super you know excited about that. And, you know, I, I just think it's a it's a critical position. Like I wish more former principals, you know, and former and and teachers who are in neighborhood school were, you know, involved in these processes and it's you know I, i'm i'm nervous i'm nervous you know three slots that's that's undue influence it's you know and the people that you would normally see on there is a lot of usually a lot of university professors usually a lot of folks who you know have flexibility you know lawyers and and so forth but like university uh leadership like that's they they end up over, over the past i would say significant amount of time we're on our school boards and i'm interested like is that is that the demographic in you all cities? Um, like who's on your school boards now, right? You know what? I just gonna be real clear with you. This is gonna sound messed up. Mm. But we don't get a lot of university people. As a matter of fact, they shy away from positions like that. Mm. We get we get the teachers unions running complete slates mm. of the village idiots. <laughs> they find, they find, they find the worst victims of public education uh, to give a little bit of money to, and they hire them for a year or two to do a little bit of like, you know, $5, $7 an hour, you know, uh, organizing. And then they run them for school board and they win. Mm. And we end up with school boards that can't get their pants on in the morning. Can't make a decision about anything in fight about everything. Plans go on for forever and ever and ever. And then what you have are serious people having to run against that like that machine. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're running up against incumbents that like, listen, I'm going to throw it back to Donica. Just like you had a school board member there who choked a child or choked a young person and still kept her seat. So no. like, like really, really we, like we reach, like- reach out and touch somebody for real, for real, like choked a young person and kept her seat. Yeah. Am I lying to Donica? Yeah, we currently have a school board member who is uh, has a recall petition out um, who um, allegedly choked a child and then also um, was seen allegedly reportedly shopping on. Um, Why are you saying allegedly? I saw shopping, the pictures. Shopping I saw the pictures. At, Why are you trying to do the news thing? <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Like that's my journalism background. And actually the topic of the meeting at that moment was the renaming of a high school named Lee High School. So, um, you know, definitely a challenge. It's really, you know, I think there's something to what Chris was saying. Like you don't get 
it's it's hard to get quality people to sign up for this show that is the school board meeting and to say, you know what, I really want to go and sit next to this person who, you know, is is going to be um, not necessarily the, the caliber of individual that I want to sit next to or the type of person that I want to be in a conversation mm-hmm. with in my day to day life. And so it's really a challenge to get good people to sign up. But we need good people to sign up and do that. Mm-hmm. So r- real quick, for, for those of you that are going to run for school board and for those of you that are going to be filling these positions, uh, one challenge that I have for you, uh, read the board reports, right? Mm-hmm. When the superintendent, when the superintendent submits a report mm-hmm. about um, about how the schools are performing, like really dig deep uh, mm-hmm. so that you know so that you're able to have an informed conversations with parents, with your constituents, to let them know that, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing on our end in order to in order to get the school, uh, you know, the way that you want it to be as a parent. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, you'll get these elected uh, school board people that are focused on salaries. Why are you in other people's pockets? Number one. Right. And then number two. Right. You're not you're not focused on you're not focused on the things that you need to be focused on. Like we got superintendents that are purchasing curriculums that are killing kids. Right. And then, you know, at the end of 12 years of being in school, your kid can't read. And so school board members need to be holding folks accountable that are selecting these curriculum materials to put in front of kids so that they can have better conversations about how students are performing. Because at the end of the day, we got to make sure that we're putting students in the spotlight and that's the school board member's job, right? Everybody else has an advocate, right? You got the teachers union that are advocating for the teachers. You got the principals unions that are advocating for the principals, but ain't nobody represent besides the parents, ain't nobody representing for these, these kids. And we need to make sure that we have somebody that's uh, in that high level of of a position that's advocating for kids, man. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what your superintendent gets paid? Do you know what is in your superintendent's contract? Do you know how that contract was formed? Do you know what they're being held accountable year year over year for? Do you know if they hit their goal last year or not? If they didn't hit their goal, do you know if there was any repercussions or whatnot? You won't know any of that. If you're not watching school board meetings or you're not talking to a school board member, school, take a school board member out for coffee once and just ask them, what should I be paying attention to? They will unload on you sometimes. They will give you like 80 things and all of them should scare you to death because it involves children. Yeah, I mean, I think we at this place, too. Uh, and shout out. I know you were just saying that we don't get a lot of super high quality people to run. Uh uh, Dr. Clyde Lewis is running uh, in Antioch in the Bay Area, and I know he's in a tough race right now, and hopefully he wins and he just keeps showing up. So that's great, and he's a strong black brother. Uh, but I would just say is we are also at the time where it's getting ugly. I- I'll share my screen in a second just to show you some of these tricks. And here's the thing, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of folks that like to throw stones, and then when you say something back to them, then you the bully. Let me explain something to you about mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> National politics and local politics are quite different. It's usually like divides and like Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever. But in a place like Oakland, that's just progressive by nature. Like we're not really having that type of argument. Right. Like it's like who's the, the most progressive of the progressives or whatever. Right. But what will happen is, is that you tend to end up being it's almost civil war type stuff. Right. Like there are a lot of people on the other side of these with some candidates that I know that I respect that I'm friends with. So, you know, I try to come into this with like a level of respect because we got to see each other at some point. I want to be very clear. If the opponents that we're running against win, I'm not rooting against you. I'm rooting for you because I'm rooting for our kids. Your success is their success, right? And like, that's what we need to kind of get back to. But when you calling people Trump supporters or this or billionaire this, or you start putting people's names or you showing up to people's houses, listen, man, somebody will punch you. Like, I, I just need to like, what, what I'm, this is what I like. These things get really serious. If you don't know about the Oakland <laughs> school board, I'm just telling you, if you don't know about the old Oakland school boards in the 90s and the 2000s, you better ask somebody. God bless her soul. She just passed away a few years ago. But there was a legendary sister that used to carry the 22 in her purse and told people. Right. Like, I'm just saying. So this is like people's kids and people's lives or whatever the case is. And I'm going to just share my screen with you all, because these are the attacks that's coming for, you know, people on my team. And it's really just interesting let me just uh, flip that around. 
is really interesting. So they put in like Hasten's name in this stuff. I, I co-founded this right with Hasten. You know what I mean? Like, but they know who to attack, right? They know who to go after. And I, I'm, you know, I'm respectful with most of these people and I don't know who it is that's doing this and putting out people's names, but it's a problem. It's a problem for the decor of our city and for what's happening. But that ain't even the crazy one. You want to see the crazy one, Chris and Ray? Y'all saw this one, yeah. right? These yeah. people. Yeah. What them people look like Make to that you? bigger. Make that yeah. bigger. So this is the union, right? Which is cool. And they vote for who they're voting for. And I think I was told there's a Latina lady in there. I, I No no disrespect. That don't, make the, that don't make it right. Crush the colonizers? Check this out, fam. Check wait, this out. Wait, wait. All right. You going in. I'm coming after you. Well, well, well let, me, let me let me let me let me do the other facts first so you can come in hot on this one. Let me do this. Yeah. First. People yeah. keep talking about democracy. Right. Let me tell you what's not democracy. Oh, billionaires having a voice ain't democracy. Y'all taking money from them, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'll take money from the union if they gave it to us, but they not. Right. I'll take money from you. But I won't. <laughs> white people in D3 have 14 percent of the of the kids in that district, but they have 53 percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. Tell me, like, black people got 48. This is West Oakland. This is like the historic black part of Oakland, right? We got 48% of those kids is black, and we only got 30% of that vote. You know what I'm saying? And then look at our Latino population. They got 25% of the kids, only 5% of the vote. So when our parents say, we need some help, we need so we need to have a voice because it's white people that don't want my kids to sit next to theirs that self-segregate. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to talk about it, let's talk about it all the way. This is another district. This is another place uh, I live here. Um, anyway, man, it's just, it's a crazy, I, these people, I'm, I, I'm, I'm annoyed and I'm upset about it because I have a really good friend and she's being attacked. And last year they showed up at somebody's house and scared his kids. And like, and this is the thing, play, play dumb games, you get dumb reactions. I'm not the one. I just really need y'all to understand and know. You can't be hella white teachers that ain't from Oakland doing posts talking about crush the colonizers and it can't be fucking sponsored by the local union. But you can be. But you can be. That's exactly what it happened. That's the that's the play. That's the national play. It happens everywhere. It happens in Seattle, San Francisco, Oakland. It keep going down the line. Twin Cities, Minneapolis, Austin, New York. Keep going going down the line. That is the play. The play is the white women in the classrooms make a sister of mercy's package with the white women in in their richest parts of their town, and together they become kind of like a a solidarity gender uh, demographic solidarity political force, and they run. Their their local D, uh, democratic uh, uh, election system because they're the ones that matter and blah blah and then your black self come walking up talking about we need some changes to these schools or we need some different type of teachers or we need some different types of curriculum or we need to move the boundaries a little around blah 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 you think you're about to do something what you're about to do is run into a weird kind of Stepford wife version of like some Shalaman M. Shalaman night movie where they like act in some sort of cult like fashion to take your ass down suddenly you're the sellout you could, Charles, you live in Oakland. You grew up in Oakland and you have people trying to erase your lived experience mm. and call you out as an uppity Negro, basically, who's working for the man. Right now, think about all the things when they say that, first of all, they're saying you have no agency and no intelligence. You didn't come Absolutely. to these. You didn't come to your issues uh, on your own. Independently. Mm-hmm. All of your all of your ideas are from a white master somewhere. So you are either a ignoramus, a sellout, a pimp, an uppity Negro. You want to take one of the black stereotypes. You're going to be one of them. And it mm-hmm. works every single time. And let me, ooh, let's just put the cherry on top of this. And you're talking to a multicultural union that's doing all this too. They'll come talking to you, rolling their R's in Spanish and shit. You got half of them light skin looking like they like about to tell you something about, you know, socialism and Bernie and blah, 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 why you're working for the neoliberals and all that type of stuff. So they get the color of people of color pass too. It's not just white people. Let's be real about this. They get the people of color pass on your ass. And now all of a sudden you don't want to run for school board anymore. You want to be on it or you want to hurt somebody if you are on a on a school board or whatnot. Same city or, or different city, same same playbook. And, One and place I, after the other. I, I, real quick, somehow they what, care about children more than here's you. What we right? not gonna, so don't forget here's that. Here's what we're not going to do. And here's what we're not going to gloss over, right? So if you're white and you're watching the show right now, 
uh, there are a couple words that you just can't use that are just unacceptable for you to use that just should not Thank be you. a part of your Let's vocabulary ever, ever, ever in life, right? One Do of it. those words is nigga. You shouldn't be calling anybody nigga. Right? That's right. And That's right. the other word that you shouldn't be using is colonizer, right? Mm. You can't fucking call somebody a colonizer. That colonizer mm. is you. You mm. can't call somebody what you are. You just can't do that. <laughs> that shit don't make no sense. Come that's, on. That's people. some Trump bullshit, isn't it? No, that's some that's Trump shit. Crazy. Right there. That shit is wild. Every time I see that shit, it makes my heart race. And I'm just like, what? What about colonizer? neoliberal, Ray? Can it can they do that one? Can they do neoliberal? I'm letting you take that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna ask you, like Charles, can you, can Donica, can you be a neoliberal? Like, you know, is that can they use that one? Can they pull that on you? Does that work? Yeah, I just really struggle with them trying to act like they care about black children more than me. So <laughs> there's just that, like that whole general, like somehow we understand and care about what these children are experiencing more than you. That's where I'm really struggling generally. Hmm. Yeah, and it's like you got to draw the line. Reef, jump in here, baby. I mean, it's it. You know, it's the same stuff. I think, you know, sometimes when white folks try to be, they want to show that I'm down. They want to show like I'm John Brown of the 2020 year. Right. Like and and so they they watch these movies. They don't understand the, the context, but they, you know, like, like we got a, We got this one white lady. I mean, she's been harassing uh, black families, you know, forever. Uh, she goes to every school board meeting. She's always you know, she's always talking about like we need a new we need a new superintendent. We need new this. We need like. No, we need a new white lady. That's what we need. We need a new type of white woman in these streets. That's what we need. So you need to fall back. You know, it's always like, oh, we're the friends of this, or we're the alliance, and we're going to save public schools. Like, save it from what? Like, what exactly are you saving? Like, what What was it before, right? Like, and they're always talking about, like, return. Mm-hmm. And again, we talked about this, right? Make make the schools make great, again, great again, right? Mega. Make education great again. I mean, yep. you might as well just put a red hat on because they are just as lost as the other clown that, that says that type of stuff of just a return to the good old days. The good old days were only good for the good old boys, right? And so we ain't trying to hear that. But it's over and over and over again, man. Yeah. And fellas, can I, can I take the... Sorry, Rad, just, just real quick because... You saw one name on there, and I'll be quick, but, you know, Hayson Thomas is a little Asian woman, sweet lady who loves kids and done work in the district and in charter sector. She mm-hmm. didn't start this herself. She started with a brother named Uber, David, mm-hmm. and Dr. Charles Cole III, right? But they put mm-hmm. one name up there. They know who to go after. And let me tell you this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not naming it. I'm not saying this at any of these candidates. Again, I will meet with any of these candidates. Whoever wins, I want you to be successful. There's some people that's repping you right now that's out of pocket and out of line. And I will stand next to you, Hayson. I will stand in front of you. If any of you disrespect her like this in her face and I'm there, it's going to be a problem. I'm flying home in a few days. I'm going to be with them every day leading up to the election and right there after. Here's the thing. We got to start protecting our people. This is why people don't want to run for school board. Jamoke Hinton Hodge, who was a friend of this show, who was mm-hmm. a friend of our family, she got disrespected at almost every meeting. They won't call her by her official name. They'll call her her first name. They'll speak over her. They call the black woman racist who's looking out for black boys or whatever, right? Like, and this is why yeah. people get burnt out on this. She'll be up there by herself. And not to go into too much detail, but Chris and I know intimately, right? Like, the effect and the toll that that takes on people like that. So the people that's listening to this podcast, if you got friends that's doing this work and people are coming at them, not just listen, if we arguing about education, argue, debate, that's a, that's what's supposed to happen in a democratic society. Mm-hmm. But when they cross that line, you have to stand there. I'm not advocating for violence. What I'm saying though, is that I'm going to protect the women in my village I'm going to protect the people that's on my team. I'm going to protect the people that's on this podcast. So if Adonica is somewhere talking and y'all just want to get super, super aggressive and disrespectful because they know whose name to use. I just showed you. Right. And, you know, I got a mouth. I talk about these jokers every week. David is on here right now. He's in the comments right now talking about him like 50 percent of all our teachers in Oakland is white. Only 10 percent of our kids in the district is white. You know what I'm saying? This is a program for white folks that want to live in Oakland and we fly you in so you can teach here and you just want to be here so you can teach there. You ain't worried about these black kids. So I just wanted to be very clear on that because Hasten, you're not alone. It's not fair. That bullying is not okay. They're going to call us bullies when we push back the same way this audience pushed back on that dumbass colonizer thing. They took that down and said, who's bullying our post? Who's bullying our post? Right. 
you know what, man? Keep gaslighting if you want to. But if you play them little games in front of me and in my face, you're going to get met with that same kind of energy. And it's not going to be good for any of us. I just want to be very clear, Hasten, you not by yourself. Hey, you know what I thought you was going to do? And I'll do it for you. When you was like, you know what, y'all? You know what, y'all? Fuck y'all. That's what you should have did, but you didn't. Well, because here's the thing, because it's still my city. (laughs) Because here's the thing. It's still my city. Whoever, this is why, this is not as Sam or Vince Cedric or Mike or or any, any of the people that's on that slate because we might disagree. But if you get that seat, you are representing all of those kids. The only thing I care about is to make sure you represent every single one of those kids. And finally, whether the Democrats win or Republicans win, we got to have a plan to push. So if my candidates win in school board or they lose, I have a plan either way to push you because the education in Oakland is fucking terrible. And it has been terrible. It is lazy to say that charters are the reason because guess what? I went to Huey P. Newton's elementary school, the same one he went to and less than 5% of the kids was reading on grade level a few years ago. Okay. Less than 5%. Still, so, we should yeah. say still. But but Charles, I would say this about you. You you got the right attitude about being with whoever wins that seat. You got to support them because you want what's good for the kids. But you don't necessarily if they win on some bullshit, they're going to govern on govern on some bullshit. Hmm. You and I are both practical people. We know that's exactly what's going to happen. So you may want them to do well, but the a pressure that you apply on them if they win, they have to know it's going to be real pressure. Absolutely. You will fight them before the election. You will fight them after the election. Absolutely. If you're going to run on some bullshit, you probably going to govern on some bullshit and we still going to have the same fight. And here's the bottom line that I think we all need to be like a little bit straight about. Yes, I'm trying to recruit people to run for school board, but you need to have a, a thick skin. You need to have a straight mm-hmm. back, a straight back, a clear mission, an attitude of take no shits and take no prisoners or whatnot before you get on that board. Because when you show up to a school board ready to do real damage on behalf of the kids who are most marginalized, these jokers that Charles is talking about right now are well-funded, well organized they have an entire language around inequity being equity and they have they have a way of doing more damage in in just a few years than just having nobody do the job so if you're going to come to this work you have to be a charles you have to be somebody Mm -hmm. who's going to just tell the truth like it's supposed to be and lay it out for folks keep it plain Mm-hmm. Keep it plain. We don't need to get real fancy. These, these jokers that are running against the people running against you in Oakland uh, right now, honestly mean to do real damage uh, to the things that you care about. And, and everybody needs to know it. Right. They have no plan. You just mentioned the school that was like failing when Huey P. Newton was there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Uh, bruh. And it's still failing as of today. What's their plan? Do they have a plan? No. Hey, you're going to blame that shit on the charter school. It's the charter school's fault. that, that Really? Happened. Really? Because yeah, it sounds to me like that was I before the charter schools. Charles says it all the time. He says it all the time. Well, it don't matter what y'all say. The union says that it's the charter school's fault. So it's the charter school's fault. Donna, yeah. jump ahead. Yeah, I think I think Charles's point about, you know, we have to be rooting for the success. I hear I hear what you're saying, Chris, but we have to be rooting for the success of people who are working on behalf of our kids. And I think it starts with understanding what you're coming there to do, having a plan before you get elected. I think often we see people get elected who don't know really what they're going to be able mm-hmm. to tackle. And so you've got to come to the come to the job with a plan. Like these are the things that I have said during my campaign or my priorities. And I'm going to work with whoever wants to get these things done. And we're going to align around these things where we have some common ground and we're going to stay focused on these things where we have some common ground. But I think that starts with not crossing those boundaries that that Charles said. You know, you can't cross boundaries during elections that, that don't allow for you to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can't go into this personal situation where, you know, you're attacking people, you're showing up at people's homes, you're, you're doing things that, you know, that doesn't allow for us to build consensus and govern on behalf of children. Yeah. That's what's up. And so look at this, right? Look at what the hands did for y'all. We took this conversation that most people think are bo- is boring, right? And we turned it into something that was very informative uh, where people could get something out of it and people can go out and vote on uh, November the 3rd. That's what's up. So we're going into final thoughts. Reef, we'll start with you. Yeah, I would just say, look, you know, back to local Philly stand up, you know, not only on November 3rd, but, you know, uh, encourage folks, encourage people, champions, encourage parents and grandparents, encourage folks who are, you know, all about educational justice to uh, throw their name in the hat uh, for these open vacancies, these spots that will, you know, help support, govern, 
supervise the education of over 230, 50,000 students in Philadelphia. Like we need you. Like that's, mm. it's, it's absolutely crucial. Um, a quarter of a million students, most of them black and brown in this city and they need champions uh, in these seats. Shout out to folks like uh, Sanja Dungey Glenn and, and uh, Sylvia Sims and uh, Chris Pender and, and Shelton Ham and Amin Akbar and all the other folks who are just like, you know what? I'm about kids. I lived this. I was in these communities. I went to these schools and I'm going to uh, weigh in, you know, um, Toya, Mama Toya, you know, uh, we got some seats calling for you, sis. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about her. I'm going to have to have a call. That's what's up. All right. Yeah. See straight. Uh, listen, so there's John Little who's running for school board in Nashville. I want to give a shout out to him and, and direct people to look him up. And if you can donate. <laughs> to his campaign. Um, um, Jocks Patterson, I think you should look him up too. He's running in DC. If you know, look him up, see what he's running on. If you agree with it, I think support, support, support is the name of the game. I think we already have folks like Everton and Tremel and, and Darius. You should be aware of them and just know them. And, and, you know, if nothing else, put them in your, your Twitter feed and provide them with support. Like just they're right. They're, they're fighting a very strong game. I want to give a, sh- a shout out to my team, bright beam, uh, the, Brightbeam Network team. Earlier in January, we put out a report called um, The Shame of Progressive Cities. We looked at progressive cities across the country and they have a pattern. The pattern is they are progressive from top to bottom and they have bad outcomes for kids of color that are worse than outcomes of even conservative cities. In a lot of cases, they have extreme wealth, Lots of college educated people, lots of everything you've already heard me say before, condos going up and the expansion of their economies, um, fancy restaurants, all kinds of like signs of life to like a better life. In there. And, and in those same cities, kids goat are goat yoga, bro. You know, I always got to like got to, you know, goat yoga and, and oat milk, goat yoga and oat milk, things that shouldn't be going together. But in unsweetened those cities, oat milk, unsweetened, unsweetened, oat milk. unsweetened oat milk, whatever, bro. And in those same cities, there are kids that I'm afraid are going to always be the faces at the bottom of the well, mm-hmm. the bottom of the shiny, glittery, gold encased well in Seattle and in New York and in D.C. and in places where there's so much money and opportunity. The school board is where the magic happens. You need to run to that school board, watch their meetings and, and grab a hold of it and make them be accountable to making sure those kids get a shot at life. That's what's up. Charles. Yeah, man. Um Listen, now's the time to stand up and I'm just going to put this up there. Go join our pack. Like if you care about this stuff that we talk about, like if you want to see the work that we do in action, go be a part of that pack. My parents are not alone. Hasten, you are not alone. There are people that believe this. If you work at a charter school right now and you getting that check, now is the time for you to stand up. Not just when they say all the teachers stand up, but also when they say the charter because you, you want that raise and you cash in that bonus. If you believe in charters or you believe in black parents and brown parents having choice and options, now is the time that you stand up. This is the time when you speak up and you do not hide your hand because you want to be in the quote unquote in crowd. If you believe and don't want to silence black and brown parents that have voted with their feet because they have not gotten what they needed historically, now is the time for you to stand up. Every single person here can go and like that page and go and speak your truth and speak truth to power because what happens and the reason why more people don't run is because they feel alone. Well, prove to me that these people are not alone. Prove to my parents that they're not alone because one of the families in that pack, one of those parents might be somebody that actually can run for school board if they know that there's other people out there that believe what they believe because this union will have them thinking that they're on the island. We let in an apparatus and system that is racist, that has always been racist, that is for white people, mostly white women, call black and brown families colonizers. And that shit has to stop. That is how stupid it sounds, right? So I need everybody to go over there and support us. Um, and, and I just appreciate you. Thank you all for this. And Adonica, thank you so, so much for joining us. Adonica closes out. Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was a slip of the trigger, bro. And I, was, I wanted you to make sure you you spoke too, brother. Oh, Raymond's gonna speak. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Raymond's gonna speak. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Whether we yeah, want him so, to or not. <laughs> so I would just say, 
elect good people. Our children deserve warriors. They need people who aren't about what they're getting out of the, out of this elected office. They're about what they can bring to it and what they can bring to our communities and to our kids. And pay attention. Like you, can, the work is not done once elections are done. And and I think that's often where we we lose our our ground. Is you've got to pay attention to what's going on at the school board meetings. You got to check in. You got to have coffee. You got to stay connected, because once people get elected. They need support and they need to continue to stay true to the vision that got them there. And, and I think that that's the challenge. They need to know that people still have their back. They need to know that in between elections during the lonely governing times, that's where we are. So I think it is elect good people, pay attention and continue to hold them accountable. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. All right. So here's what I got to say. I'm going to yield my time. I'm going to yield the floor and I'm bringing Reef back because Reef wrote a piece on funding and I want him to talk about this piece because it was dope. And I like highlighting my bros. Which piece about funding? <laughs> <laughs> he always throws somebody out there. Like, what? what like, school funding? Like, no, what a piece on fun, bro. It was all on LinkedIn. The shit went viral. You talking about like the nonprofit funding? Yeah. My bad. Listen, because I've written about school funding too. So that's what, you know, that's what I thought you were talking about. So it was, it was, so much, sir. I'm, I'm a New York Times bestseller. You have to be more specific. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hardly, hardly. I'm hardly that. But, you know, it, it was just, just really challenging, uh, you know, foundations and funding. And this conversation that we, you know, we've all had uh, collectively and individually, uh, just making sure that, you know, that, Black nonprofits are are funded, right? Like Carmita was on a call uh, with us a, f- a few a few months ago, and she used this idea that you can't just say, "Oh, black nonprofits, black led nonprofits, black founded nonprofits." Oh, you just need a safety net. When our safety net is all the way down in the canyon, um, what we need is a trampoline because you know we talk about like they're talking about COVID has wiped out half the black businesses, <laughs> half. Like that's insane. Right. And so that, you know, how how black businesses are faring, that's pretty much how uh, black nonprofits are faring. Right. And so it was really just a, a challenge to to funders to not just say, oh, yeah, you know, like we all know we all know white men who've gotten a gotten major funding on a napkin. Like they had a, a, a sketch on a napkin and got funding, you know, and and black folk, black led organizations got to bring a binder this thick, you know, about all the contingencies and everything. And so what we're just saying is like the equity. So there there have been some foundations who've been really stepping up and mm-hmm. we're just encouraging them to continue to do that and bring their cousins, you know, bring others in and really show them, uh, be a model for the rest of the, uh, you know, the philanthropic uh, community. But there's some who are stepping up and we just need far more of it, particularly for black and brown founded and led uh, nonprofits. That's what's up. You want to plug the center? No, you do it for me, fam. <laughs> Next time. All right. You guys, you guys have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast, episode 45. Thank you, Adonica, so much for coming to join us. Thank you. We will see you next week. Peace. Peace. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stuart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.